the Box Officer Podcast with Mel McKay and Derek Zemrak. Derek Zemrak, it must be Friday. How are you? I'm doing great. Day after St. Patrick's Day, so there you go. <laughs> what can I say? Are you feeling a little green? I know a lot uh, of people are. <laughs> yeah, maybe just a tad bit. You know, a little bit of shading. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome. Well, we're not going to talk about anything green. We're actually going to talk about something red. Turning Red, the new <laughs> Pixar film, which is controlled now by Disney, which decided in like a month out of when it was supposed to go to theatrical release last Friday, decided to pull it and make it streaming exclusively on mm. Disney+. Plus. So, this is the third Pixar film that they have done this to, and uh, I have a little bit of a concern of why they keep doing that, and it's not very good because a lot of people are not able to see it unless you have Disney+. Plus. Yeah. So, why are they trying to hide things from the general public? Well, Derek's going to give his strong opinion <laughs> on this film, all right? I love it! So, buckle okay. up, people. We're ready! <sighs> So, Turning Red is about a, a girl who is, is in, you know, she's Chinese, and she has a very dominant mother, wants her kid to succeed in school, a stereotype, I'm sorry, that's the way it is, you have to say it, and the girl is rebelling, and she actually wants to be with her friends, they're planning on sneaking out and going to a concert together, all the things that her mother just freaks out about. She saw some drawings that her daughter did of the boy who works at the convenience store down the street in the neighborhood, and found those drawings and went in and embarrassed her daughter in front of all the kids in school. So, mm. in a weird take, but uh, she starts turning red. Now, you might say, well, what is that all about? Well, it does address puberty in here, so oh. this is really not... <laughs> Uh, you know, a little kid's film in some aspects of it. Uh, but it, she turns into a panda when she gets excited or gets anger in her. And she doesn't know why she turns into this giant panda. Now, her and her friends, I've been telling the whole story, so don't even watch it. On, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> her friends decide to capitalize on this ability that she has with charging kids at school to see her turn into the panda. So all this stuff that her mother does not want her to do. So getting to that point of the movie, I think the problem with this movie is that Disney is stomping down on the creativity that made Pixar such a success. Oh, They're rushing man. the films out. You know, usually when you watch a new Pixar film, you're looking at it, you're going, oh my God, this Pixar has gone to another level. They haven't gone to another level since they've gone over to Disney, and it's just stagnant, and actually, I think it's it's gone downhill oh. from where it used to be. Is it that the big corporation wanted to get rid of the little guy and just acquire them? I think that's a possibility. Maybe. Um, I don't think they're giving them the opportunities. Now, just like uh, Encanto, when it came out, said the same thing. There was so many things that they wanted to be. You've got to be exactly politically correct. You've got to have this. You've got to have this. You've got to have this. And they're giving it to the people that are the creative people and say, this is what you got to work around. And it's just not working. I'm sorry. I, I give this two slates out of five. Wow. And most of it for the loss of creativity of, of the Pixar. So I'm... I'm sorry, and I love Pixar. Pixar's, you know, in the Bay Area, you know, yeah. but I do think they're getting stifled. I love that, how real you know. you're being about it, because I wondered, when Disney acquired Pixar, I thought, are you just getting rid of competition? Yes, and, I do believe that. And it seems like, <laughs> yes, that is exactly what they're doing, which breaks my heart for the people that put their heart and soul into Pixar, and then to right. have it just be, because it's owned by Disney. That sucks. Yeah, I was watching 
this film, and I'm looking, and I go, this looks like a, a Sony animation. I mean, yeah. I never thought it was a Pixar. You know, if somebody would have, you know, like the old taste test, you know yeah. what I mean? Put the Coke and put the Pepsi and put the <laughs> generic one and taste them. You know, you do the same thing if you watched, had people didn't know anything about it and looked at each film and said, is this a Pixar? Is this a Sony? I don't think people would say it was a Pixar film. It's just not there. Sorry. Wow. Get it together, Disney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, leave it alone. Yeah. Let these people make their movies. I mean, the story was okay. I mean, it's always, you know, but before there was always so much depth into the Pixar movies, yeah. and it just didn't work for me, so. Bummer. You know, I'll well, go back to the green. <laughs> yes, exactly. We'd rather be green. <laughs> this other movie, The Outfit, I know nothing about. Tell us everything. Well, you and a lot of other people. Okay, this <laughs> it was a big hit, and people were just crazy about this film at the Berlin Film Festival just recently, and it's called The Outfit. It's a very low-budget film considered, you know, for Hollywood standards, and it basically takes place in one location, only seven speaking roles in the whole entire film, mm. and it is a espionage crime thriller. It's about a tailor who moves from London to Chicago, quiet man who just wants to make a career for himself, leaves his, his home country with basically a pair of shears and opens a tailor shop. Aww. But who shows up? Not on his door, and this is Mark uh, Rylance, and he's fantastic. I said this from the beginning when I saw him first in Bridge of Spies. I said this guy's going to be going everywhere. He won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for that film. He's, I think he's one of the best actors around today. He's great. And to just take a character that's just one person and one location and interact with all these mobsters who show up knocking on his door and demanding, you know, what they want from <laughs> this tailor who has no idea what the mob has, is all about. And it's very, very well-written script. Now, some people may find it dialogue-heavy, but you have to do that when you're in one location. Basically, one location in a couple rooms. And people may say, oh, that sounds like a play. Could be a play, but you know what? It came on the screen. It's fantastic. It also gives you that intrigue of what's really going on, and you see the emotions. There's, there's one scene that's very bloody, okay. um, and I'm like, wow, how did they pull that budget out of their, <laughs> you know, cheers, let me tell you, because it was something that you weren't expecting of this film because it was so dialogue heavy. But the editing, the costuming, the lighting in this film, it brought you back to the 1950s and 60s, mm. you know, crime thriller movies, suspenseful, and you'll be on the edge of your seat through the whole movie if you get an opportunity to see this film. Where <laughs> um, can we see it? <laughs> right now it's very limited. You're going to have to search online. Um, unfortunately, I didn't do that. Um, no worries. But it, it's something that, you know, you go online, type in the outfit, uh, Mark Rylan. And you'll see it's playing in the Bay Area. It's playing okay, good. I mean, it's not like it's like completely, you know, obscure. But um, it's just one of those things that you you felt like it was an hour and 45 minutes was a great time for this film. Uh-huh. It went so fast, you didn't realize it was an hour and 45. And to make a film on the, that such of a small budget and to be able to bring this cast out, and it's very well done. I give it three slates out of five. This is a movie that you're going to be talking about next year this time. Okay. When all of the Oscar nominations are coming out and get some attention because... Mark Rylance, I think this is one of his, I'd say, his best performance as an actor because he's got a range where he's just this quiet little timid you know, tailor to dealing with the mob that he has nothing to know, he doesn't know anything about him, and then all of a sudden he's got to go up, stand up against them. Now, a few people may find the, the ending a little obscure, but you know what? I think it works, and you get a chance. Go see this film, you know, find it in a theater. I found 
found it. Where? Okay, good. <laughs> okay, good. so basically it's playing in Dublin at Regal Hacienda, in San okay. Ramon at The Lot, in Livermore at Vine Cinema and Ale House, also in Union oh, City, Vine. San Leandro, yeah. and Newark. So yeah, yeah, it is playing. You can find it uh, at a couple little places depending on where you call your home, but the big ones, right. Dublin, Livermore, and San Ramon. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's, you know, take the time, go see it because it's, it's well worth it. Like I said, three slates out of five. Um, you know, the only thing that, you know, I didn't give it any higher was just because it is, some people are going to find it a little bit uh, on the slow side, but, okay. you know, I didn't. I never found that, and I was really impressed with this movie, especially, you know, be able to do it uh, in one location. It's tough. Yeah, definitely. Awesome! I can't yeah. wait to see okay. the outfit. Thanks, Derek. I'll talk to you next <laughs> week. You. Sounds good. Stream the box officer now at KKIQ.com at Apple and Google Podcasts.